I'm Victoria, and this podcast is all about running, marathon training, and run coaching. It is packed with useful tips to help you grow as a runner. I am a 13-time Boston qualifier and mom of two who started running as an adult. I learned a lot on my journey, and in 2014, I launched an online run coaching business to help other runners. Now, we employ several run coaches and are one of the largest online run coaching companies. We teach you the secrets to reaching your potential in the sport of running. We give real talk discussing personal stories of injuries, setbacks, and PRs. Think of this as a conversation with serial marathoners who share the lessons that we learned along the way. This is the Run for PRs podcast. Cold weather running tips. Have you ever skipped a run because it was cold outside? I know I have. It's easy to throw in the towel when the temps turn to freezing. There is less daylight and there's just less running motivation for a lot of people this time of year. We live up in Minnesota, so we know a thing or two about running in super cold temperatures. I have trained for over 10 marathons in the winter months, so that means the races were in the spring. So I did lots of 20 milers in sub-zero temps or even on the dreaded treadmill. We know how hard it can be to run in cold weather, especially when we're talking sub-zero wind chills and temperatures. We will be sharing all of our tips to help you stay consistent and also stay warm during this winter running season. So I know up here in Minnesota, things are a little bit different than other parts of the countries. We do get pretty extreme weather um, in the winter here. So if you're following us on social media or you need some motivation, follow us, um, run for PRs or marathoner, mother, mother marathon. I don't know my Instagram. I'll tag it in here, but I will post a lot of the times going outside, running in the snow, running in ice and Prior to doing that myself, I didn't know that people, when it was cold outside or when there was snow on the ground, that people could run outside. I just thought, you know, after a certain point, you just do not run outside in these sort of temperatures because I didn't grow up um, in a cross country, you know, high school, college background. I didn't know anyone that they ran outside. I didn't really belong to any. Um, running groups. So when it was just me on my own, logic told me, you know, go to the gym, go on the treadmill. But what I found out over the years of getting involved with some group trainings and learning a little bit about running in Minnesota is that you actually can run outside when it's snowy, when it's icy. And we're going to be talking a little bit about what that looks like today and how you can find the right fit for you. So everyone's going to have their own comfort level with what they want to do um, in terms of going outside versus staying inside. And that might even vary from day to day. But I will say I'm someone that was 100% always on the treadmill, never ran outside in the winter. But over the last couple winters, it's like I get more and more comfortable going outside. And I do think that there is a certain thrill and adventure part of running outside in these super cold temperatures. And it can actually be a really fun experience. So we just kind of want to open people's minds to maybe what it would look like training outside and give you some tips for staying warm and dressing in that environment. And we also might touch a little bit on the treadmill 
but we're also going to be doing another podcast specifically on the treadmill later this winter. So Jason, when was the first time you ran outside? Because I know that you have more of a background in um, being involved with cross country and track starting when you were like 10 or 12 years old. Um, how did your transformation of running in the winter versus what it looked like, you know, when you're training, when it's not freezing cold, what did that look like the first time? And did you find it shocking to run um, in the winter? Tell me a little bit about that first experience. Yeah, I think dating back to high school is when I had my traditional fall season and then spring season. So in the wintertime, it was Uh, kind of an off period where, you know, we would get together every now and then to run if the weather was nice. And I would say nice in Minnesota during the winter was probably 30 or higher. Um, Typically, most of us, we just played hockey in the winter to stay active. But um, once I got to college, it was, you know, we had our indoor track season. So we were forced to train outside. And that's kind of when I became more of a regular winter runner and um, started running in basically temps all the way down to zero and sometimes even sub zero on the weekends. I know our team, our coach wanted us to stay inside if it was below zero. Um, and so, yeah, ever since then, it's just kind of been, you know, it depends on if I'm going with somebody or going alone, if it's zero degrees now, I'm probably going to opt to stay in. Um, but I have gone out and done my fair share of sub-zero temperature runs. Yeah, definitely. There's so many factors that go into this winter running. So I guess the first one we'll talk about is obviously temperature, right? You touched on, you know, if it's below a certain temperature, you're going to make your decision. Um, another really big one that a lot of people maybe overlook or they don't think about until, you know, the snow arrives is the footing, right? So you want to make sure that you're not running on ice or if you are going to be running on ice or a very um, thick sheet of, of snow that you have the right gear for that. Um, and then also just depends on where you live and where you're going to be running. So, you know, if you know a snowstorm is going to be blowing through and you know you're going to get several um, inches of snow, you want to be aware that based on where you live, you might not get plowed on your sidewalks. Um, Sometimes it's better just to run in the neighborhood, kind of on the street after the plows come through. There's just so many variables that come into play, but footing is probably going to be the one that's the most dangerous. So you really want to make sure that you're looking at that and paying attention to that because you don't want to risk getting hurt. And then obviously the third um, there, which some people, maybe it doesn't impact them as much, but it is the the lighting, right? So in the winter, there are very short days. So you're probably going to be doing your run. If you do it in the morning, it's going to be dark. Um, when you get off of work, it's also dark. Some people are able to run middle of the day or later in the morning, and that works with their schedule. But for a lot of people, the combination of the ice running early in the morning and freezing cold temperatures is just this cocktail of, um, yeah, I don't want to do it. I want to go on the treadmill. So did you ever run on the treadmill in the winter um, throughout high school or college? Or what would you guys do as a team? Because obviously, if you have like 30 plus kids, um, I don't know if you guys had access to it, like 30 plus treadmills. What was kind of the the procedure there if it was sub-zero or if the footing was really bad, what did you and your coaches have you do? Yeah, I never really had much um, access to treadmills until after college. You know, our university at the time didn't really offer a, a nice weight room with with uh, more than just a couple treadmills. So, you know, as a team, we were forced to stay inside, just kind of running around the field house or indoor track. Um, or we'd go out for, you know, a warm up, cool down, do the portion of our workout inside. And so, yeah, footing was always a challenge, right? Because as, you know, as a young college kid, you're, you're financially not, 
even aware or in a spot to purchase um, winter running shoes, which are pretty expensive, or we didn't really know about yak tracks back then, stuff like that. And so you'd basically just go out and you kind of have fun. And um, yeah, I guess, you, you know, you obviously got to be careful with snow and ice. And so now I think that is the number one thing that I'll consider before I even worry about temperature or wind or anything is I'll look at the footing um, based on the weather and see if the sidewalks or streets are going to be clear. Yeah, that sounds a little rugged. You know, you guys didn't really have the right gear to be out there doing that. And I think when you're young, maybe you can kind of get away with that or um, stuff like that. But as you get older or as you experience more extreme temperatures and you want to make this something that's a little bit more enjoyable, there's definitely a lot of tools, tips, and tricks along the way that you can incorporate into your training to make sure, you know, you're staying warm. And I think the biggest concern um, with people, okay, so you you look at the weather, you wake up, you look at the weather, and people are like, oh my gosh, you know, it's, it's zero degrees, it's eight degrees, it's 18 degrees. And that not only sounds cold, but as soon as you, you know, I don't know about you, but I wake up and I am cold. So the last thing I want to do is, you know, layer up and go outside into freezing cold. So tell me a little bit about um, like your layering system or like what are some of the best brands or things to look for in terms of staying warm that you look for personally as an athlete? Yeah, that's a good one. I think, you know, over the years you kind of learn like what is your go-to for certain temperatures, mm-hmm. um, but more importantly, wind chill is what I look at because that that can really make the run seem a lot harder, a lot more um, unbearable to be out there in those in those conditions. And so, you know, if it's like five degrees with no wind chill, that's I, to me, that's better than running in 25 or 20 degrees with a 20 mile power wind. Um, so, um, I'll usually layer with some sort of base layer, depending on the temperature and the wind chill, that'll kind of give me a, um, my gauge for the thickness level of my base layer, you know, usually have my, my really thick one. And then I have um, a couple other ones that you would get kind of like at races for your long sleeve dry fits. And then, um, typically looking at the, like a windbreaker or jacket as well. And some of them that have a liner in them, those are going to be your warmer options. Um, so a good Boston jacket's always a, a go-to for me in the, in the really cold temps. Um, but typically, yeah, finding something that has some sort of wind, um, windbreaker material to wear over a long sleeve would be something I'd wear anything under 30 degrees. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is going to depend based on the person, kind of what your preference is and what temperature, right? So if you're maybe someone who is from the South, like Alabama, and it gets to be 30, you're probably going to be bundling up a little bit more than someone in Minnesota who runs in 30 degrees, just because, you know, that's probably one of your colder days. um, Whereas for us, 30 would be a warmer day. So when you talked about the base layer, I think that's really important. So the base layer is basically what you're going to be wearing Um, underneath all of your additional layers. So the base layer is super important and super key to success here. We want to make sure that you're going to wear something that's a little tighter. Um, I know back in the day we used to refer to these tighter fitting things as like an Under Armour long sleeve shirt, but really any sort of brand work, something that's going to maybe have a little bit of thermal action on the inside. So it's a little softer and then it's just going to be more tight fitting because the tighter it is to your body, the less like airflow is going to get in. So you're going to want to have like that tight, um, long sleeve and you're going to kind of tuck it into your tight leggings or pants, right? And I would go with more reputable brands in terms of you want to make sure you're getting a brand for the leggings that are going to be good for winter running, right? So maybe ask some of your fellow 
um, run friends, what they like to wear and what works well for them because there are a lot of like tights and legging brands out there and some of them are going to work a little bit better than others. Um, and then as it gets to be colder, right? So the base layer works really well if it's not that cold out. Um, I wear the base layer by itself without any additional layers in about 40 degrees, maybe like 35. Um, but as the wind kind of picks up or as it gets colder, I will add on layers on top of that base layer. And so what you were talking about is some of those jackets. It might be, it's almost like for every 10 mile either by every 10 mile per hour wind plus 10 degrees colder it is off of like 40 degrees, I add a layer basically. So sometimes you're going out there, if it's sub zero, you're going out there with like five tops and like two bottoms. Um, and I think using those windbreaker materials up top is very important, but also um, windbreaker leggings. And some of the brands that we've found that worked really well are uh, like cross country skiing or like uh, snowmobile or not, yeah, um, not snowmobiling, but uh, just skiing brands. So, like Kraft, or I don't know if you know yeah. of any others off the top of your head, because a lot of times my legs would get freezing and I would just wear like two layers of leggings and it was never enough. You have to have the windbreaker legging if you're going to be going out um, in about anything under like 15 or 20 degrees, you're definitely going to want want something that's more of a windbreaker material. So do you have anything to add onto those brands or the windbreaker materials that you like to use? Uh, yeah, I think the, so we have a couple ski shops here and that's where we'll go to buy those types of pants. So Kraft, uh, Swix, I think is one. I know Socken even wear, uh, makes them and I have a pair of those. They're just like my Kraft pants. So um, like you said, I'll break those out when it's really cold. Like probably five, single digits or even sub-zero or if the wind chills are just really cold um otherwise i wear just like a you know single layer of tights and um for for guys tights you know typically a good pair of like nike thermal ones or nike um are they do a good job they're pretty thick and you can they're pretty versatile you can wear them in 10 degrees or you can wear them in 30 degrees and so um but they are you know tight fitting to your legs and so um you know if you're not used to the cold weather uh, running sometimes it's nice to wear something that's like a thinner layer that are tight to your legs and then those thermal pants over that if it's really cold and you're not used to running in that in those conditions yeah definitely really good tips and then longer socks so that maybe your ankles aren't exposed all of those good things um some of the more accessory items that become really important as it gets cold is going to be your gloves your hat the face mask that sort of gear um which you, most people probably aren't wearing unless it's really cold out um one of the things that i found in my earlier years when i was navigating these winter um runs is that I'd go to the store and be like, okay, I want to get some nice running gloves. I want something that's nice, um, that looks nice. And I would spend, you know, like 20, 30 bucks on a pair of running gloves. I said they were supposed to keep your fingers warm and my fingers would just freeze. Like I just didn't understand why no matter what brand, no matter what I was getting, they, these nice, supposedly really good gloves were not working. Um, the only type of gloves that I find actually keep my hands like even relative like perfect I never get cold right ever are like three dollar gloves from Target they're literally cotton gloves and that is what keeps them um warm I don't know why but that that's also the route that you go Jason and so 
Um, have you found that to be the case with you as well? Because I noticed you were someone that was always wearing cotton gloves. And I just thought maybe like when I first met you is because they were super cheap and maybe you were poor. I don't know. But then we did like invest in some nicer ones and they just didn't really do in, They actually were worse than these $3 ones that we always get at Target. So every year now in like October, November, we go to Target, we buy like, you know, 10 pair just because you lose them in the wash or whatever. And they work so well. And it's almost weird because it's like you wouldn't think $3 gloves from Target, um, these like cotton, whatever, like kids gloves would, would be so, so good. So what are your thoughts on that? Um, I did used to like those, but they, for me, that get holes in them fairly quickly. I kept the ones that they'd give at races cause those are typically a little bit thicker, but they're the same material. So those are like my really go-tos right now. And, um, you know, if you do races probably in the Midwest in the fall, a lot of them will just throw them into their, uh, their, their gift, gift bags or you can buy them at the expo. But, um, yeah, definitely those are go-to unless it's like, like you said, single digits or sub zero temps with the windshield, then I'll wear something a little bit thicker, like something that kind of goes you know, into my fingers and then over that, my entire hand, something like a chopper, you know, that sort of thing. But yeah, if you're comparing just regular, the cheap throwaway gloves to like your $40 gloves at your local running store that are fairly like lighter, thinner, I would definitely go with the cheaper ones. They, they seem to make your hands stay warmer. Yeah, definitely. I have found the same thing. I just think that it's not worth the investment on like a $20, $30 pair of gloves. You could get just cheap gloves that target the cotton ones, um, and they work just as well, if not better. Uh, and then if it does get really cold, we have this thing in the Midwest. I'm not sure if this is like a Midwest dialect coming out right here, but they're called choppers. They're like these big, big gloves that you put on. Um, or no, they're mittens. They're like so big that you can barely even move your hand, but it's basically like a muff <laughs> over your over your entire hand. And choppers are a little bit expensive um, just because there is so much thermal uh, surrounding your hand, but they are the thing. You can go out and like below 60 degrees and your hands are not going to get cold there's like these huge basically like a muff for your hand with thermal um so choppers definitely something you can google that find those they're usually about between 40 to 60 bucks um definitely good for those super cold days and then it comes to you know your face right so if you're going to be going out when it's zero wind chill or below you got to start covering uh your face your neck uh, all of the above so that you don't get frostbite. So unfortunately that can happen. So you want to make sure that you're staying really covered from head to toe. So we have, obviously I think everyone nowadays has face masks after 2020, but there are a few that you can get, um, just online. I would suggest going into your local running store, kind of browsing, seeing which ones, uh, look appealing to you in terms of running with a mask you know, I don't really have any advice there. I do think it's a lot more challenging. And if you're running with sunglasses and your mask, you're going to be fogging up your glasses. There's just a lot that goes into it. So if it feels like, Hey, I need a different mask because I can't breathe in this one. It might, it's going to probably be hard to find a mask that is super breathable and is still going to keep you warm. Uh, one trick that I do when I'm running, you know, I'll, I'll put the mask up for, you know, two minutes, take it off for a minute, put it back up for a couple minutes, take it off and just kind of go in intervals. But over time, I think you do get used to, to running with it. Um, and then 
maybe having it a little looser. What do you think? Do you have any tips or do you know the brand of the one that we have? Because we have this one I post about on social media and everyone's like, where did you get that? I'm like, I really don't know. We got it like 10 years ago and um, I, and I, we cut the tag off. I don't, I don't know what brand it is. But uh, yeah, do you have anything about masks or neck protection? Yeah, that's one thing that I will wear if it's, you know, sub-zero with wind chill. And I just feel like it makes your run so much more enjoyable if you cover up your face. It just doesn't seem as bad. The only downfall, like you said, is if it's sunny out, it is hard to breathe and, you know, have your glasses not fog out, fog up. So I believe the brand we have, it's all black. I think it's a Thinsulate brand, Thinsulate. I think it, you can buy it at Target or, um, you know, like... I don't know, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, those types of stores. But I have gloves that are kind of similar and um, similar material. And then, yeah, so there are the masks that just kind of like would basically be, you know, a full a hat that you put over your entire head. And then basically it just cuts an opening like right above your nose so that you can see through with your eyes. That's basically it, what we're talking about. So um, and then they make the masks, too, that kind of like fit right over your nose nicely. Those ones I, I'm not as big of a fan of, but I know there are those two different types of styles of masks. Yeah, and I know when you put on that mask, what ends up happening is you're kind of breathing in the mask and then the air kind of goes upwards towards your eyes. And last winter, uh, a lot of people noticed that my eyelashes would get frozen after a run because all of the like condensation from your breath is, is landing on your lashes and then it's freezing because obviously it's it's below freezing outside. So um, like icicles can almost form on your eyelashes. And I didn't do this last winter, but I did have a few people reach out and say, hey, you know, to avoid that. Because the reason why you want to avoid that is uh, it was hard for me to like see into where I was going because the sun would start like refracting light and I was almost like blinded at times. But um, if you get like snowmobiling or ski goggles, uh, that would prevent that from happening. So ski goggles might be a better option um, if you are going to be going out in like sub 20 windshields and stuff like that. It, it could be a good investment for you. Um the other thing that I also get asked about or we hear people curious about is the footing, right? So we've talked a lot about staying warm. Um, one last tip about staying warm because I was going to mention this, but I forgot, is when you go outside, a lot of times your ears are going to get cold if you only wear a hat because the wind is coming from like every direction. And so what I found is a extra tip is I'll put a headband on over my ears specifically, and then I put a hat on. So not only are you making sure your ears are completely covered, but you're also keeping kind of your head um, completely covered as well. So headband and hat if it's really cold outside, so you don't have the air going through your ears. But back to the footing and talking more about shoes specifically. So footing is going to be probably the most important factor determining should I stay inside? Should I, should I go outside? Right. And so every city has their own plow schedule and stuff like that. So Jason, what is the best way to figure out if the footing is going to be runnable? Um, if it, if it's going to be good or not. Yeah. Um, you know, it depends where you live. Obviously if you have sidewalk access or if you're mainly running on the streets, um, you know, where we live, it's kind of a combination like you're, you're mainly on your street until you get out to one of the main roads and then there's a sidewalk. And so just, you know, kind of keeping an eye open, um, when you're out driving or, um, you, you know, you'll learn as, as you go based on snowstorms and how quickly the plows are, are clearing the roads and that sort of thing. And, so just kind of gauging like how much snow you got, how much time has passed since the snow stopped, and then 
um, looking outside and determining like, hey, do I want to run? Um, you know, am I safe to run outside my normal trainers or should I think about wearing yak tracks? And um, I guess this is where I'll talk about, I like uh, to buy a pair of winter shoes that just get a little bit better traction. So you can go out and run in, you know, one or two inches of snow. Um, or if there's some icy spots, cause up here when it's really cold, like we're battling the ice a lot of times. So even if the plows do their job and clean, um, you know, within that first few hours of snowfall, a lot of times there's still some ice that forms um, as snow melts on, you know, the surrounding curb or grass or whatever. And so, it, and then the next day it'll turn to ice. And so, yeah, there's a lot of icy spots around here on sidewalks, especially. And so I guess for us, we'll, we'll just talk about like what percentage of the run, right. Is, is good, is um, perfect condition versus um, running in ice and snow. And then we decide based on that. If it's, if it's probably like 60%, um, clear or higher then I'll probably wear regular shoes and just try to avoid those rough spots patches but if it's um you know about but below that so if it's like um 40 to 50 percent um iced over i'll probably just wear some sort of uh, winter running shoe yeah definitely the footing is so critical and i think the investment in winter running shoes can be a really big game changer for a lot of people and i think that's what most people probably need in the winter is just a good pair of winter running shoes um, where yak tracks kind of come into play is when you're really going to be out there in some conditions that most people would, in quotation, say are not runnable. So when the plows haven't come through, if it's in the middle of a blizzard and you decide to go out or you know that there was an ice storm and then it snowed, those sort of things. So you're really only going to use yak tracks if you're going to be running on sheer ice, like 100% ice. Um, and you cannot see the the pavement at all or if it's um, several inches of snow. So you don't want to use yak tracks if you can make contact with the ground, um, that like contact with the actual road or sidewalk. Um, if you can see the sidewalk, then just going with your regular, Winter running shoes is the good way to go. Um, and then it comes into thinking about your workouts and scheduling all your runs. So I think the majority of, for winter running at least, paces kind of go out the window in terms of, you know, the footing isn't right. You're layered up in a ton of gear. You're wearing yak tracks that slow you down and those sort of things. So Jason, how do you determine what sort of paces to run in the winter? Do you advise people make a pace adjustment or go more off of feel? Yeah, definitely. When I'm making the decision to go out in the winter and, you know, if I know that there's even some spots that aren't clear, um, I'm throwing all pace out the window. I'm just kind of going off effort and really running for, um, to try to, you know, keep myself safe. And so, um, slowing down, making sure I have good balance and that I'm recognizing if it's like a slippery area, that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, understanding that your paces might be off a lot, especially if you have a hilly neighborhood like we have, and then you mix in some ice and snowy spots. Um, you know, there's, you know, your mileage, your splits could look all over the board. And so I think, yeah, just going really off of effort and throwing out any, um, sort of goal that you have in mind for pace. And then, uh, modifying your your schedule if you need to move a workout around or move it to the treadmill um, doing those things so that you can get a better quality workout and stay safe and have less of a chance of slipping yeah definitely I think it is important to still run you know at least once a week try to get outside so that 
your body can kind of get used to what that stride is like. Because running on a treadmill, it is different mechanically. And so you want to still have a little bit of outdoor running um, just so you can maintain that. Because if you were to transition all the way from treadmill running to 100% outdoor running in the spring, it can be hard on your body. Um, and there is a little bit of an adjustment period. So if you just maintain, you know, one day a week, getting outside, that that is great. If you can do more, even better. And like you said, looking at the weather and trying to figure out, okay, you know, there's a snowstorm coming. I think I'm going to move my workout or whatever it may be. Um, and then obviously always adjusting your paces. So when you're running in the snow or when you're running in really cold temperatures, it actually is harder to hit the same pace as you would in ideal running conditions. So even if there is no ice on the ground, it is still harder physically to run fast in weather that's under 30 degrees. It starts to negatively impact your fitness. Um, your body is working hard to keep you warm and also it, it can also feel kind of harder on your lungs when you're not used to the really cold air temperatures. There's just that adjustment period. So don't expect to be hitting the same pace as you were in the fall with perfect conditions as you will in the winter. Um, that being said, a lot of people do opt to do their workouts on the treadmill if they live in an area like Minnesota over the winter um, just because it's, it's safer footing. It's a better bet. So in that case, if you're on the treadmill, you know, you're probably still going to be hitting about the same paces. But if you do choose to, you know, do all of your workouts outside, you can even go that route. But you might have to move more to an effort-based um, approach there. And even if you do it in the middle of a blizzard, I know last winter there were a few days where I was like, I had a fart lick on the schedule. And even though there was a ton of snow on the ground, I was like, well, I still want to try to do my fart lick in my yak tracks. And I think I remember it being one minute intervals and I was barely going, you know, 30 seconds slower than my uh, marathon pace. So I was basically running an easy pace for my fart leg, but uh, it was the effort was there and your body knows effort. And so if you're going to go out in those elements and try it, it it's almost like trail running, right? Um, when you're running on the snow. So just understanding that it is a little bit of a different sport if you are going out there in those elements and then adjusting for that. So some people really love going outside, getting out in the elements, but you do have to make those adjustments as needed. Um, other people would rather do their workouts on the treadmill just because they really like to see the paces being spot on and they aren't really interested in doing um, workouts outside and whatever works for you is the way that uh, you should go in terms of training. So Jason, have you ever been someone that's done workouts on the treadmill or workouts outside? Do you have any words of wisdom to share? Yeah, I think like you said, a mixture of both is great. You know, if you have a specific workout that's important to you, hitting the certain paces, um, great to get on the treadmill every now and then, but I, I definitely think there's a benefit to doing them outside in the winter. Obviously we know that, um, it's tough conditions, but sometimes I notice I find myself feeling pretty good once I get into the workout. And so the hardest part is just kind of getting started. And then once you get warmed up, um, you know, you're usually, they usually go pretty well as long as you're not running into the wind and it's sub zero temps. Um, and then, yeah, I have done the same thing recently too, now that I've gotten the winter running shoes, which the ones I like are the Nike, uh, I think they're called Turbo Shield. Um, you basically just can run normal on your feet, um, not have to worry so much about slipping when you do um, come across those sort of rougher patches. And so, um, yeah, I think far legs are kind of the best types of workouts to do because a lot of times they are more effort-based and the time 
uh, might be changing. So you're not super focused on the pace or like the exact distance, right? So you might be just timing for two or three minutes at a time. So um, yeah, definitely like doing workouts outside. We did our fair share of them in college as well. Um, we do a tempo and then we come in and then do our more speed stuff on the track. So um, yeah, if you have access to doing that, you can always mix it up that way too. <clears throat> Yeah, definitely. Figuring out what works best for you is important. I know sometimes going on social media or having friends that go outside in the cold, it can be a positive influence because you know that, hey, it is possible for me to run outside if I want to. But ultimately understanding, you know, if you don't enjoy it, um, you don't need to do it. But I think having kind of like rules in terms of like the cutoff and what sort of footing you'll go out in, because I think sometimes for me, at least I used to get caught in the habit of, oh, like I'm never going to run outside or like every single day it was always, I'm going to go on the treadmill. And so now I kind of have rules for myself. Okay. Well, if it's at least 30 degrees and the footing is good, I'm going to go outside, um, regardless of kind of how I'm feeling that day. Cause sometimes I can get stuck in that, oh, I'm not very motivated mindset because it is winter and running in the winter is challenging in general, just because I think a lot more people are feeling sluggish. Um, the holidays are around this time. Some people are in their off season and it can just be really easy to kind of get into that habit of either skipping a run altogether or opting to run on the treadmill when you'd feel better if you went outside. Um, so do you have any advice for people who are maybe like not really feeling themselves this winter or who are struggling with like the motivation part of running in the cold? Yeah, I know this can be difficult, especially as, you know, the temps turn really cold, right? It's always easier to run um, coming out of the winter as temps are starting to warm up, you know, because we're, we're used to then uh, feeling colder temperatures. So to get out in the in the February, March time frame isn't usually the problem. It's usually the November, December, where the temperatures are finally turning colder. And so just kind of being, giving yourself, um, you know, the flexibility to break up your runs, maybe um, just shoot for one or two easy runs outside a week. And if you can start with that, um, you, you, you learn over time how to tolerate it. And I think it just becomes a little more bearable. Um, the other thing I would recommend is find a friend or someone to go out and run with because you're less focused on the elements when you have someone to converse with. And so that's what I've done a lot of times. I meet up for a long run with a friend on the weekend. And, you know, the idea of running like 10 miles solo, it sounds brutal when it's that cold. But if you have some company, it can go by a lot faster. And um, so, yeah, those would be my tips. Um, you could also mix up, do half your run inside, half your run outside. And so um, that could be a way just to get you motivated to try to, you know, do better about going outside. Yeah, definitely. It's just a tough time of year um, with the shorter days and everything like that. Uh, so I know a lot of people, they don't want to go out if it's, uh, you know, dark outside. But if you are able to maybe on the weekend, if, if you're not working during that time, or if you can like maybe on your lunch break, if you have a corporate gig and you can swing that, um, getting outside in that sunlight is super important. I know we're not exposed to as much sunlight during this time of year, especially up here in Minnesota, at least. Um, and so a lot of people will go a full week without even seeing any sun exposure. And I do think that there is part of that like seasonal of depression that people talk about it is really important to get sun exposure so that your eyes know hey you know like we're not living underground um and it, it's a mood booster for sure and there's been a lot of studies 
on that. And sometimes just doing some research into the benefits of getting um, direct sunlight exposure, even if it's in the dead of winter, can actually help you make that decision to say like, you know what, this isn't just about running. This can be about like my mood and feeling better throughout the day and getting out in nature and all of those positive benefits from doing a run in nature versus um, staying inside. So there are additional benefits. It's not always about, oh, you know, best performance or being the toughest runner. Sometimes there is that therapeutic um, aspect of things of, you know, you're getting the benefit of that direct sunlight and you're also getting out in nature. These are two things that have been shown to kind of boost people's moods and help with, um, you know, mental health in general. So I think that kind of wraps up a lot of the topics that we talked about today. And if you ever have any questions about winter running or you, you want to know kind of what brands that we use specifically, always feel free to reach out to us. We love chatting about this stuff. Um, we've been winter running for uh, decades now. And so we've learned a lot over the years and it can be a really fun experience for you if you have the right tools and you have the right gear. So you want to set yourself up for success. And if you ever have um, any motivational struggles this time of year, I know accountability can go a long ways, especially if you are someone who has goals for this spring and you really have aggressive goals that you want accountability for. We can definitely help you with that. We want you to stay on track and we want you to feel inspired and support during this time of year and that's why we do podcasts like this so that we can give tips to you guys and you feel less alone in your struggles so if you are interested in having extra accountability and working with a coach over the winter months it's definitely a great time to get started with training if you are interested in that you can fill out the form at www.runforprs.com and you can get started with a free seven-day trial accountability can go such a long way with your training especially this time of year so fill out the form on our website www.runforprs.com for prs.com and we can get you started on that free seven-day trial thanks for tuning in to this week's episode